Hello and welcome to this latest edition of the Powder Blue Podcast. Frank Close here, Jeff Mosher talking some Phillies baseball. And Jeff, where's where's the power been? <laughs> the power outage. Uh, you know, Frank, I was looking at some stats the other day um, because I, I couldn't figure out why the Phillies just are not scoring runs as much as we thought or hitting the long ball as much as we thought. But if you if you go look at some of the stats, and some people hate this, but they're they're important, the Phillies are a top 10 team in batting average, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, and OBS. So theoretically, that would tell you that they're among the better teams in hitting the ball and producing runs. But they're 16th at the time of us recording this in runs scored. So... Is that just a really strange anomaly? I don't know what to make of that. They're obviously not hitting home runs at the pace we thought they would. I think they're they're out of the top ten in home runs, but they're not last or even close to that either. Um, it it just seems you just look at them, them overall. They haven't scored a ton of runs, but they're also not getting their asses kicked in a lot of these games either. Um, so I know that the big takeaways right now, and we have this is our first pod in two weeks, right? Is that they have not won a series since the opening series in Oakland, uh, you know, against Oakland. Um, but my other bigger takeaways is I, I feel like they just haven't clicked yet. Then not everything has come together. I, I sound like I'm probably making excuses. I'm not trying to. They're trying a bunch of different lineups. Uh, a couple of their pitchers, I think you would expect to come along slowly, Zach Wheeler, because he missed a lot of spring training. Ranger Suarez had that issue as well. Um, but when, when I watch him on a nightly basis, I think they're, they're, they're close. I honestly think that they're, they're close and they're not as bad as maybe the, the fact that they've lost what five or four straight series now may suggest, but maybe that's just me seeing the, 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 the silver lining. So when you look at the, the start the teams are having, obviously the Mets are the ones that, that you might look at the record and say, wow. Yep. But everybody else is kind of bunched up in the division there. Like it, it, it I mean, other divisions as well. I mean, St. Louis, Milwaukee, they kind of have a nice-ish start. L.A., uh, the, the the Giants. Uh, Colorado has a nice record so far. Uh, but but I think, like, a lot of teams just really aren't really going yet, just in general, mm-hmm. all around baseball. Like, it, it, I feel like there's a, there's a lot of games that are like the ones we've been watching on the Phillies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Frank, you've got a couple of teams that are, are not, as a team, even batting 200. The Diamondbacks and the Reds are under the Mendoza line. And the Astros, think about that. The Astros, along with the A's and the Brewers, who are supposed to be good, are all just above the Mendoza line. I mean, you've got a, you've got like almost a third of the league that's not even batting over 225. And the Brewers is, are sitting pretty at 10 and 6. Right. No, that's that. And again, so you look for the anomaly there. Now the Brewers have some pretty, really good starting pitching. Um, so they've been able to win a few tight ones, including against the Phillies, but it's, it's really hard to make any, I think, long-term, even the Mets were in first place at this time last year in division. Now I think they're a little bit more legit now than they were last year. They've got a good balance, but they can come back to earth uh, like, like they did last year. Um, I don't know if they'll crash and burn, but by the way, if you look at, if you look at the Mets Mm -hmm. and who they've been playing, like they've, they've got four against the nationals. They've had two different series against, the Diamondbacks, right? You, you kind of expect them to beat the Diamondbacks, right? Yeah, the Diamondbacks are swinging newspapers out there. I mean, they 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 don't have much. <laughs> so you take and, away and you take away out. those those two series against the Diamondbacks. I mean, maybe the the Mets record looks closer to 
I mean, I know we could we could pick 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 apart every team's uh you know start, but you know maybe maybe the Mets finally start seeing some better competition when they face the Cardinals this week, and then mm-hmm. then they play the Phillies next week, and maybe you can uh you know <laughs> really see where people are because remember when the Phillies faced the Mets, that was Zach Wheeler's first start that you didn't expect much out of, right? That was right. the here's here's Wheeler, and then we'll piggyback him. Um, you know, so, so yeah, so, so a lot of these Phillies games really, well, here's, here's the thing that, that's kind of annoying. They're losing for different reasons at times. So you Aaron Nola had a couple poor starts and you thought, man, if Nola could have, could have held the, held the team back a little bit, then they're, they, they would have, they would have won this game handedly. Right. Well, then he dominates the Brewers completely and what they lose that game one, nothing. Right. Yep. So, and then another, another time that, you know, the bullpen has been pretty good. But the one time Familia gives up a couple runs, well, that they lose that one because of the bullpen. Like it just seems like there's different reasons they're losing. Yeah, uh, that that loss to the Rockies. I think the six five one where Familia gave up the uh, what the three run home run a cron. That that loss sticks in my craw because I'm not going to absolve Familia. I mean, Cron hit a pitch that he was sitting on. Because there are times when Familia can throw hard but doesn't have movement, and that that seems like one of the cases. But it wasn't the worst pitch either. I think Crom was just sitting on it. Um, he got what he was looking for, and it's in Colorado. It's a home run. Crom already has is among the leaders in home runs, and not that any one win or loss kind of makes a a start or a season. But I almost felt like if they had pulled that one out, we'd be talking about them in a little bit of a different light. That maybe. You know, if they had been able to win that Colorado series, you'd feel pretty good about them uh, right now. Or maybe we're a little bit better about them. That that loss, for whatever reason, sort of was very deflating when you look back on the last week or so of Phillies baseball. Yeah, I would agree. Now let's talk for a second about something you mentioned early on as we were getting going, the different lineup every night. So the first game, they're all out there. They start meshing a little bit. I know if, if, if that, I don't know if that was the word you used, mesh, gel, whatever, whatever you might say about a lineup. Mm-hmm. But has this lineup had the opportunity to really do that since, since it's been, it's, it's been so different. I mean, you know, I thought it was kind of soon to take Kyle Schwarber out of the leadoff spot, but then they took him out of the leadoff spot. Uh, it was, is that a sign of like panic by Joe Girardi or, or it, it, it was a pre, I don't, I don't know what I'm saying here. Was it too uh, too soon to, to panic, or was it panic? Was it not panic? But what were your thoughts on on that? I remember Girardi saying in spring, Frank, that he wasn't per se married to Schwarber as leadoff. That he had different lineups he wanted to experiment with and see where it works best. And I, I sort of feel that he's doing that. And um, I'll give him April <laughs> to to figure it out and maybe, a, you know, a week into May. But at, at some point, you can't just be putting out a different lineup every single, every other night or trying to play the lefty-righty thing all the time. I mean, you have to have some kind of consistency. It, I, I still don't love uh, – look, I know Schwarber was great last year as a leadoff hitter, and he really took off in June. So you have to, to – you have to remember that and understand that. But – I, I like Segura more in the first three because he's a guy that he's like a catalyst. He's fast. He, you know, he, he does hustle. Um, he, he's scrappy, gets on base, figures it out. And then, so I, I like having a table setter like him earlier in the lineup as far as in terms of down the line. I don't mind if Schwarber doesn't lead off Frank. And right now is on base percentage 
doesn't merit it. Now, again, maybe that's because he's been, you know, moved around so much, but I kind of like Segura up in the lineup. I, what, do, what kind of, where do you like the lineup at? I don't even know, to be honest with you. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like there's no natural way of doing it. I mean, mm-hmm. the kind of the lineups we talked about going, you know, going into the season, like I kind of had Schwarber at the top just because he got on base a lot, but then, but then he's putting Reese Hoskins second a lot and, and I don't like Hoskins, Hoskins is, second. Yeah. I, I never liked that. Yeah. And then, you know, I, to me, you need Hoskins batting like fifth or sixth. Right. Um, and Hoskins hasn't really been producing yet. So. I don't, I, I, I really find no natural way to, to put this lineup together. Well, I agree with you. I like Hoskins fifth or sixth because I like him with the mentality that there are guys on base and he needs to swing to drive him in because when he's at the second was where you start to see him get so selective and try to draw the walks and be a table setter. And that takes away from, I think, what he does better, which is driving the ball, producing and, he can't and run. driving and runs. Right. Right. So, yeah. Uh, and again, I, I sort of liked it when Harp was two as well. So if you're not going to go Segura Harper, then and you want, so, and you want to go Schwarber, Segura, Harper, and then, you know, Castellanos there, Reese. I mean, I, they obviously have to, to figure out what they're doing with, with Alec Bohm. It's, I mean, he's, he's playing. We'll now. talk about that. <laughs> yeah. We will talk about that. Um, They've got, this is on Girardi. So this is his job to figure out the best lineup, not to juxtapose three guys every night with another three guys. He's got to find that consistency. I get that it takes a little bit. So I'm, and this is a lot, a lineup with a lot of new guys in it. So I'm willing to give him the month of April and a little bit into May, but eventually he's got to find the right combination. That's his job really first and foremost. Now, one thing that's kind of the consequence of adding a designated hitter. I mean, the Phillies didn't add somebody that's the designated hitter per se, but it's going to be Schwarber or Castellanos most of the time. Mm-hmm. But that means on JT Real Muto's days off, he's not in the lineup, right? right? Wasn't that the thought that JT could be your DH once a week when he's not behind the plate? But now JT's got to have the day off and mm-hmm. you have stubs. Yeah, and that hurts. That him. makes it a lot harder to figure out your lineup. Well, and obviously with Bryce Harper not able to play in the field for a little bit and taking up that DH spot, same thing, right? I mean, it's you've got to have Schwarber out there in the field. You've got to have Bohm out there in the field. You have to have Castellanos out there in the field. And when you have all those guys in the field and then a Stubbs instead of JT, you're not at your best, which also is one of the factors, I think, in, in this slower start for them. So it's like when you have everybody in there and it's, it's you know, all 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 hands on deck, feels a lot different than each day somebody needing their day off and then you have to sort of shuffle everything. I think that's what's kind of behind a lot of the shuffling is that, okay, mm-hmm. well, it's JT's day off. Well, you can't have a consistent lineup with JT because he's got to take a day off. Or right. Didi gets banged up for a few days and Camargo's been great, so you got you got you to gotta play him. But then that does reshape your lineup a little bit as well. And then has, they haven't really been given um, – Hoskins many days off. Uh, Schwarber's had one. Castellanos hasn't had a day off yet, but just feels like with with the the schedule being what it was, and they finally got their first day off on Thursday. Mm-hmm. They had to rest guys along the way, right? I think that contributed to this this lack of gelling for whatever whatever we're gonna call it, because the Phillies had to rest their guys, and then you can't put out a consistent lineup in any way, uh, and really and really kind of catch fire. Yeah. 
Yeah, and again, you know, I keep looking and seeing how some guys have have performed all right. Like you know, you look at the the pitching staff. Um, you know, Gibson had that great first start. He's got pretty good numbers right now. Um, the bullpen and outside of the Familia explosion there um, hasn't been. I was hoping for more from Bailey Falter. He's only pitched in three games. I think uh, we thought we'd see a little bit more from him. But again, I, like you know, the, the two losses to the Marlins, they kind of got their teeth kicked in, uh, where they lost by more than three or four runs. But everything else, they're, they're pretty close. I just think that they need to figure a few things out, get get Bryce Harper healthy again, get him back in the field. Uh, you know, he got a big series coming up against uh with the Rockies, right? Four at home against Four at the home Rockies. Against the Rockies. Yeah. Then um, they we're need, seeing you know, again. In it'll the be interesting April. to see how the Rockies are away from Colorado, how they're hitting because they were hitting the ball pretty well. Uh, in their own spot. So, and then of course you'll, you'll have that Mets series. That'll be pretty big. Yeah. One of the quirks of the schedule is like, we just saw them and then <laughs> right. Seven games against the Rockies within the first few weeks. Like that's, 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 uh, doesn't seem very balanced. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> one of the, one of the, one of the big questions right now and, and really is revolving around third base. So Bryson Stott, very impressive spring training, very impressive Arizona Fall League, earns mm-hmm. a spot on the roster, earns the opening day start. But then Alec Bohm decided to play well. What do you do with Brayson Stott right now? That's a great question. Um if you're not going to play him, Frank, then you gotta you have to send him down and get him his at bats. You know, Alec yeah, Bohm I... is still sort of a combustible concept right now. He's hitting the ball really well. I guess he hasn't really butchered the, ever since the day after our last podcast came out when he made the yeah. three errors in one game. <laughs> I would say he probably hasn't been as much of a butcher, although it's hard to be uh, matched to that kind of level of ineptitude, but he is definitely hitting the ball. I just don't know what he is right now. I mean, he's, he's, he's kind of an odd player and where I, I don't know where he factors in, but while you're still figuring that out, you've got, you can't have Bryson Stott just sitting on your bench doing nothing. He needs at bats. Yeah, that's for that, you know, I, I, it's kind of a shame because he didn't necessarily do anything to lose the job per se, but with Camargo playing out of this world, mm-hmm. Didi was okay when he wasn't hurt and Boehm, Boehm has showed he's got to play and I, 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 you gotta, you gotta send him down to AAA and bring Nick Maton up. Like Nick Maton needs to be the guy that sits on the bench and is your, your emergency infielder. Because that's really what Bryson Stott is right now, the emergency infielder. Right, right. And that's not the role he's going to play or, sh- or should be playing. I mean, he's, you know, that's why you have those Camargos and, and veteran guys to play that role. Or the Matons, like the organizational guys. Boom, uh, um, Stott's a prospect. So if he's not going to be up here playing every single day, he's got to get the at-bats in AAA. Now here's, here's something that people bring up. They're, 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 they're afraid that they will Scott Kingery him. And that if, you know, there's not consistency here and they're moving him back and forth, it might somehow damage his progress. Do you, do you, do you think there's anything to that? Is it, did the Phillies just get Scott Kingery way wrong or, or did they do this to Scott Kingery? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, it's hard to, uh, at first it was easy to blame the Phillies and then it's not like Scott Kingery didn't get several other chances after that to, to get himself together and it just never happened. So I, I, I mean, I don't think you're going to, you can't relate every single case and say, oh, this is going to be another Scott Kingery, you know, and plus this guy was a first round pick. He's very talented and it's not like he's been up here and played 
in 30 games and struggled, right? And then you've been moving him all around. He just he has not been a, a full time starter. So I don't even look at the fact that he's hitting 131 in what 30 at bats and say, oh, he's been terrible. He's just he's just not getting the consistent diet of at bats that you would need to to be a productive player. So if it's not going to be here, at the, if you're not going to play him every day, then I think you got to send him to AAA. You got to get him some starts this week. I mean, maybe that means Camargo plays first for a day or two. I, I mean, maybe Hoskins could use a day off. Yeah, right I agree I with that. I agree. If he's up here, you've got to be able to play him more. You know, again, this is kind of like Joe Girardi. You got to figure this out. So back to Bohm then for a second. So the three error game, I hate it here. Fans say, no, you don't need to hate it here. <laughs> you know, the old Yogi Berra adage, the game's 90% half mental. Uh, <laughs> is Alec Bohm just figuring it out mentally and he really wasn't so bad all along? <laughs> um, like I said, I think there's a lot to be determined about Alec Bohm. What do you think Alec Bohm is right now? I think, I, you know, I think he can start in the league and I think he can get the glove right. I, you know, I do believe in the mental side of this game and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the idea that once you start struggling in the field, you carry it to the plate, you carry it back to the field some more. And, you know, there was a really neat interview, um, John Boy did with, with Nick Castiano. So you might remember is sort of a failed third baseman. Right. You know, like very much like Alec Bohm, he was, mm-hmm. he was a guy that was, Going to be the third baseman of the future. He started out at third base, couldn't hang there, and uh, he ended up in the outfield. And so uh, here's what he had to say. I have a, um, John Boy Media. Maybe you're familiar with John Boy. Oh, yeah. Mostly introduced to Phillies fans by like uh, lip reading Gabe Kapler's uh, <laughs> argument with an umpire back in the day. I remember uh, that. But but anyway. Um, on the John Boy Network, they, he talked to Alec Bohm with uh, Nick Castellanos and Chris Rose, the the, uh, the host, asked Castellanos about Philadelphia. And Castellanos right away went and said, hey, look what they did with Alec Bohm. The fact that he said that and then they emphasized with him and are able to give him a standing ovation. I don't know. Maybe the city just wants people that are real. <laughs> and then uh, the question about the, the three errors there, uh, Castellanos said, I sat right next to him. I made a point. That's because I didn't want him to feel alone. You know, guess who made three errors at third? You know, like guess who played the position? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't want don't hit don't hit it to me because I don't want to F this up. Right? <laughs> that was the mentality Castellanos had. And that's probably what Alec Bohm was thinking. You know, besides using F bombs about how much he hates it here, he is probably saying, I don't want to F this up. That's not the way to play third base. Listen, I think that's really – I think he's right about it, uh, you know. If and, if and it's probably good to have Nick Castellanos sitting next to him, giving him that experience so Alec Bohm can overcome it. And he has so far. I mean, look, I give him a lot of props. He he faced the music like he should have, right? He admit, he didn't try to spin this thing any other way but how it was. And he's come back from it. Now, I still don't know what what he is, but if you're – I know what he was supposed to be as far as a hitter, and we're seeing that there. So if he can just kind of continue along this pace and play some pretty okay defense at third base and not butcher ball, then I think you have a chance for the kid to realize his potential and recognize it. And and again, like Castellanos, maybe 
eventually down the road, he, he gets off third base and that continues to be good for him. Didn't Austin Riley also start off as a third baseman? Wasn't he also a failed third baseman? Well, he, he was, he, he had a hard time capturing third base. Um, that, that, that was the story with Riley. I mean, Camargo actually was the starter and then they went and got, uh, Josh Donaldson. Right. And so, uh, so Austin Riley sort of ended up becoming, uh, you know, moved off that position. Right. Um, but did they get those guys because he was, you know, I mean, he's another guy who's big, six three, two four. Was, was he, um, you know, just not a, was he a butcher at third base? I don't remember. I, I don't think so. I mean, the job's okay. his now, so. Yeah, that's a good point. It, it yeah. took, a, it took a while, but, uh, yeah. but. Third base is his, uh, starting last season and, and hey, he embraced it. He's been fantastic, True. uh, for the Braves. True. So. True. Yeah. So, so I don't know if, if, if Bohm will ever be like that, but can he be serviceable? Yeah. And just one more thing about what Castiano said. He said, I told him it might not seem like this now, but your career's only been this big. When you're 15 years in, you're going to look back on today and recognize that today's a really good day. So. So hopefully that was the turning point for for Alec Bohm and, mm-hmm. and and let's face it he's he's been hitting so uh and by the way the thing I like about Bohm at the plate I felt like his head was always up in the middle of nowhere in the clouds mm-hmm. um, his head is back down and he's following through on these these pitches and and he's not missing a lot and, he, right. and, he's, that, and he, yeah. he's seeing he's seeing strikes yes that's why you can't use the Scott Kingery comparison for everybody I mean this kid is not let his defensive struggles and his, you know, one day kind of battle with the city there or one night, um, interfere with his ability to hit. So, and again, you, like you said with Kingery, maybe he just wasn't that good. I mean, he had one good year in the minors, had a nice little flash in the majors, like we've seen a lot of players have, but was given a lot more opportunities after that and did not produce in either minors or majors. It's not like he went down the AAA and just was great there. When he got sent down. So I, I'm not seeing a parallel with Bohm just yet. And I'm actually encouraged by the fact that he did not let the low point so far of his early career um, deter him. I mean, the last year it did. I think it definitely did. But at least this year you have not seen that happen. Yeah. Scott Henry once had 19 home runs in a major league season. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's, so did Don Brown, right? <laughs> so did Aaron Altair, right? I mean, there's always, yeah. there's, there's always, uh, actually, yeah, Aaron Altair literally peaked it. And I think 19, oh no, Aaron, he had a year of 19, a year of 20, uh, yeah, a year of 19, Aaron Altair did. So I guess that's the magic number of doom. <laughs> you hit 19 home runs in the big leagues and, and that'll, uh, throw you straight off course. Yeah. Yeah, Bryson Stott somehow gets 19 this year, and there's like five games left, and for whatever reason, Joe's got to get get that home run, <laughs> get it out there. Now let's speak about Joe for a little bit, because you know what I what I do my mailbag on the radio. The thing I keep getting is is <laughs> is it time to fire Joe Girardi? Is it time to fire Joe Girardi? Is it time? How much rope does Girardi have? So is Joe Girardi's job in peril right now? I know they didn't sign him. To an extension, they did not pick up his option for next year. What's going on? Well, I mean, I think it was in peril. I use that in quotations going into the year because he doesn't have an extension. So it's clearly a prove it year for him. It's the last year of his deal. Do I think if the Phillies, if they're six and 10, and again, they're not getting their, their rear ends kicked in by, by the time we record our next podcast, if they just go, one game over 500, they'll, they'll be, you know, they'll be all right. They're, they're one game behind the Braves and Marlins right now. And the Mets are off to the hot start. 
with 12 wins. So I, it's way too early to fi- to fire Drew. I, I feel like if they were a total and complete clown show of a team, blowing leads, you know, uh, getting shut out all the time, okay, you, you start to look at it and say this thing is really spiraling downhill. I'm not there yet with this team. Um, let's see how they do over the next two weeks. The thing is, if you're going to fire Girardi, right, I, who are you going to replace him with? I know everybody wants Dusty Wathan in, but, like, you're not you're not going to fire him and put another unpro- – replace him with an unproven guy. Usually that when you do that, you're looking for some guy who's managed before. But I, I don't know who's out there that really – you know, they said a Jack McKeon. Well, by the way, Jack McKeon's still kicking at 91 years old. Maybe yeah, he's available. Is he still around? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's perfect. You just have him win the World Series and then you fire him at the end of the year. Um, no, I, I, but I, so Frank, I don't know. Is there a guy that sticks out to you that would be a natural candidate to, to fill in? I, I think you, A, you have to give Girardi a couple more weeks here, uh, at least. And then B, I don't know who a natural candidate would be to succeed him. I don't know anybody either. No, nobody comes to mind off the top of my head. You're not going to interrupt somebody's major league coaching staff, right? So a lot of the, a lot of the next managerial candidates are probably people's bench coaches or third base coaches at this right. point. And, and, you know, so who's just kind of sitting at home doing nothing? Carlos <laughs> Beltran? I mean, I know he's been a broadcaster <laughs> for the Yankees and he's still kind of considered a really good potential manager down the road once his name isn't, you know, tarnished anymore, which should be by by next year, I guess. Well, Alex Cora is already, uh, you know, he was out of work just a hot minute, so. Right. But yeah, but there's nobody, there's nobody sitting at home, so I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think that you, you, if you're gonna fire the manager, it needs to send a real message, and I don't know that just putting your third base coach as the manager is necessarily gonna really send any type of message. Right. Is Bruce Bochy gonna come here? <laughs> I mean, he's retired. I'm serious. Like, is Bruce Bochy gonna? Say, all right, I'll come, you know, come out of retirement to manage this team. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, that's a great question. I wonder, I wonder if he's ever going to manage again. I know he, he was this, this past off season, he was kicked around as, as a possible manager, but I don't know. Maybe he's happy being at home. I would think so. Now uh, there was what some kind of discussion that Bochi was getting a little leery of how analytically driven the the San Francisco Giants were, right? And that's why he mm. by the way, that seems to have I know they didn't win the World Series last year, but they're they're certainly a well put together team. I think they get more praise for what Farhan Zahidi's done there than criticism. Um but I would I you would think that, you know, a veteran like Dombrowski might appeal, who who's not so married to every single VORP and FIP and everything like that, might appeal to Bruce Bochy. So maybe Hey, look, if the, if, if the Phillies are, you know, five games under 500 in July, all right, maybe you have that discussion, but you got to give this a little time. Is that enough? I was five games under 500 in July. I mean, probably not. It's got to, well, it depends. Are they in fourth place at five games under 500 and everybody else is doing well? I, I don't know, you know. I mean, I feel like this team would have to be catastrophically underachieving at that point, And I don't know that it's going to be that bad. Yeah, but five games, this team was not supposed to be five games under 500 in July. You know what I'm saying? Like the, yeah. the moves that they made and the temperament that the owner, John Middleton, has, I would think that it was more understandable for some of the earlier, like the Kapler and, and first year Girardi teams. But this team, with the additions they made, not supposed to be five games under 500 in July. 
Well, I think this is the question that's just not going to go away. <laughs> Every <laughs> well, time they lose, fire, winning, right? fire, fire Girardi. Every yeah. time. But, uh, but yeah, well, you know, they, they, they need to play some more games in division. They need, they, they haven't played, they haven't played most of the division yet, even. Right. So I think that's, that's the hard part right now is that they have this weird mix of teams that they've had. They've had, they started with an AL West team. <laughs> and then of course they had the Mets and Marlins, but then now mm. Rockies, Brewers, Rockies. Yeah. And you really, you really haven't, you really haven't seen your, your true opponents yet. And you've dealt with the, the, in season spring training for Zach Wheeler and for Ranger Suarez and even to an extent Zach Eflin. Like if if you feel like that they're they're just they're still trying to still try to find themselves. And even yes. even uh, Schwarber, you know, uh, I mean Castellanos didn't seem to affect him, but Schwarber and Castellanos they had late spring trainings and there was already a, a short spring training as it is. So even even those guys might not have their timing right. Right. And think about the starting pitching staff, Frank. Uh, so Wheeler in his last outing was back up. His velocity was back uh, around more close from 95 to 97 than it was in his first few starts. And that's the Zach Wheeler that you need. Uh, I think he'd like a little bit better results as he goes forward, right? But at least I think step one was getting the velocity back, right? I mean, uh, that was that was big for him. So I'm sort of encouraged by that. Nola just comes off his best start of the year. His numbers are pretty good. I mean, his whip is 80, a point eight eight right now. His ERA is three seven four. I think last year was over four, right? So like you're, you're seeing a little bit better of a Nolan and I'm sort of curious to see how his next two starts go. Um, and then Ranger Suarez again had a, had a rough first start. You got to kind of see how things progress with him as he builds up his arm. So I, I think that this is a, I still think it's a good rotation and it's going to wind up being pretty good. And honestly, that, that Nola start that they, uh, lost in Colorado. I mean, if he goes five and five and a third is not what you want out of Nola, but he gave up two, two earned runs. Yeah. They, they, should, they should be able to win that, right? Well, yeah, they should, they should have. He, he throws too many. He's still throwing too many pitches and having trouble putting guys away, but he has been able to get out of jams. I feel more so far, um, this year than, than what you saw last year. So that's a good. That's a good sign. Not putting as many guys on base, but he, he just throws so many pitches for a guy who's supposed to be a top end starter. And that, I don't know if it's ever going to change or not, but you know, if the Phillies are going to make some kind of move to be competitive later in the season, it's probably going to be to add a, a starting pitcher and push, you know, the Nola down a little bit to your three or four. And then, if, then of course, if you get into the whole, do they have anybody to trade? For yeah, somebody that's like a good that. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, uh, you know, you know, this is the best roster they could do without totally blowing up their system, which, right. which is, it's got, it's got to win. So, well, what do you think about Painter? I mean, he had what, 14 strikeouts or 13 strikeouts? Yes, 15 yeah. outs he records and 14 of them were strikeouts, which is, that's pretty good. <laughs> it just makes me wonder how, how, how soon is he going to, how soon is they, they have to move him up at some point, right? Cause if you're just, you're just embarrassing people down in low class A in Clearwater. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's got to at least go find his way up to Jersey Shore soon. I would think so. I would think so. You would like to see this progression so that he's in Double A, maybe even by later this summer. So, if that's... gotta wonder, gotta wonder how fast this rotation of the future will come together. You know, Mick Abel and Andrew Painter, like, a, yep. you, you got to. Uh... <laughs> I know they're, they're the untouchables, right? So they 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 need these guys to to work. <laughs> Absolutely. No doubt about it. 
Yeah, so right now you can find Mick Abel up there at Jersey Shore with the Blue Claws. Uh, so mm-hmm. far he's he's not as impressive there. He's he's one and two with the 409 ERA, but um, I got to get up there and see him at some point because I I have I have not seen Mick Abel throw live just yet, and that's 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 on my to do list. So why don't we take that? Why don't we do it? We'll do a powder blue trip. I'll go with you. Um, Sounds good. We'll, we'll go watch Mick Abel play. I'm I'd be pitch. I'd be very in favor of that. Lakewood, New Jersey is nice this kind of time of year, right? Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny that they call themselves Jersey Shore now because Lakewood is not really the shore, but nah, you know, sure, like, why not? <laughs> it's like Tom's River-ish, but west and inland and right, right. I don't it's know. Like, it was... It's like saying I live at the shore because I'm, you know, forty miles away in my South Jersey estate. But yeah, but the town of Lakewood technically is not on any water. No. <laughs> so, no. um, not even sure there's a big lake. <laughs> I don't think Lakewood is known for having a huge laker. Uh, it might be actually because that's Pine Barreny area. Yeah, Lake so. Carasayo is in the middle uh, of Lakewood, New Jersey, okay. as well as Lake Shenandoah. My so. fault then. So yeah. So yeah, and then the wooded area is around, uh, Lake Shenandoah. So maybe, I don't know. Maybe right. that's what that's, a, maybe that's what that's about. Uh, so, but, uh, uh, but yeah, but anyway, <laughs> so what are we looking for this week, Jeff, before we close, what do we need from the Phillies this week to get back on track? Well, I think it's, it's going to be, uh, people are going to say, well, the bats got to awake. And of, of course that's true, but you know, Colorado is here. They're not in their, their friendly confines. And, um, I think you're looking for the starting rotation to start to round into form, you know, let's see, we'll get a little bit of Gibson, a little bit of Ranger Suarez and, um, who am I missing in this rotation? Gibson Suarez. We just had Nola. No, Eflin. Oh, and Eflin. Eflin. Yeah, Eflin. Yeah. yeah. Those, those are the guys with the higher ERAs. Eflin at five, Wheeler at over eight, and Suarez at over four that I think are, are bound to come down. Yeah, and Eflin worked himself out of a jam, uh, the other day. I thought, I thought that was good. So. Yeah. Help him, yeah. help him grow in his confidence a little bit. I mean, it, he, no, I, I think with Eflin, he's just got to build that confidence back. He knows he's still working back from that knee. Remember how emotional he was in spring training? Like, I think he knows this is a work in progress and, and each, each mile post along the way, I think he's finding to be meaningful and will make a difference in being, being his old self. Yes. Yeah. I agree. Um, Sir Anthony, by the way, has, has not looked bad. I mean, he's had electric stuff. I know his couple of earned runs came around on that, um, Familia home run, right? That were, yeah. that were charged to him. So has pushed his ERA over four. But I've liked what I've seen there. Obviously, Knebel has been uh, pretty good in the closer role. So I'm, you know, the, the, so we we are so accustomed to complaining about the bullpen for starters four and five. I noticed Vince Velasquez started for the White Sox the other day. The Twins beat him up pretty good. It just it was a reminder to kind of feel good to be away from that era where Vince Velasquez somehow finds his way for as the special. number four or number five starter for the team. Um, so I, I, I do think coming home here, playing the Rockies, then you get the Mets on the road. I, I'm, I'm really looking for the team to kind of put it together and start being on the other side of the close, close game instead of just figuring out the, the way to lose it. Well, it gets late early though, Jeff. So they, they can't give up too many of these games in the early going, but certainly they're not out of it. They can take care of some business against the Mets, but hey, the Mets need to start facing some of these uh, better teams in the East as well. So, Mm-hmm. Uh, Ronald Acuna is coming back with, with the Braves soon. Uh, he'll, he'll, they'll, they'll have to face the Phillies and Mets. We'll have to deal with that. But Braves still 
figure to be the, the favorite. I don't think anybody in Atlanta is panicking. No, I don't think anybody in this division is that is panicking at all. And, and, and by the way, losing to the Marlins, I know that that's the Phillies thing to do. And it's like, oh, we always lose to the, this awful Marlins, you know, expansion like team, but the Marlins are not the Marlins of old. Not, not that I'm excusing them for losing two out of three, but the Marlins have a very good young pitching staff added some bullpen arms right before the season that are decent. Uh, and they've got some guys who can hit. So I, I don't, I'm not going to say losing two out of three of the Marlins is excusable or understandable or anything like that, but I don't see the Marlins as some kind of expansion team either that like they used to be when, when the, when the Phillies would lose to like a bunch of no names They're they're a decently put together team. A lot of young talent. That's yeah. good, good young talent. So before the fire sale in a few years, they will be doing very well. I would assume a lot of them. <laughs> yes. Before their next fire sale. That's correct. <laughs> By the way, Vince Velasquez his three starts. He's gone four innings, four and two thirds and three and a third. So, so Vince's Vince's Vince. I'm just waiting no for the team it. that throws him in the bullpen and he becomes this relief face that everybody, you know, the scouts always said he would be. Yeah. Lights out closer, right? <laughs> someday, someday somebody's finally going to try it. I don't know. True. At any rate, Jeff, good to talk to you. So yeah, we, we haven't got to talk in a couple of weeks. You had a, you had a well-deserved vacation and I've been dealing with my father who was a little under the weather and in the hospital. So, um, so, uh, so we missed talking baseball with you the last couple of weeks, but we should be back each week for the foreseeable future. For Frank Close and Jeff Mosher, this has been the Powder Blue Podcast. We'll catch you next time.